0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MDS podcast. I'm Sarah Schaefer here from the Yale School of Medicine, and I'm here with Jordan Kamel, who is a neurologist and clinical neurophysiologist at the Alfred Hospital in Melbourne, Australia, as well as St. Vincent's Hospital in Melbourne. He's going to be talking to us today about the treatment of upper limb tremor with botulinum toxin, in individualized approach. Thank you for being with us today, Dr. Kamel.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So your paper really goes through uh, both a tailored and systematic, actually, approach to upper limb, treating upper limb tremor with Botox in patients who may not have responded to oral medications. And it seems like this has been honed over really decades of experience with you and your collaborators. Can you tell us about the basic way that you approach these patients?
1: So there are many patients that could potentially benefit from the use of botulinum toxin for upper limb tremor, um, not just essential tremor, but tremor of all, pretty much any central etiology. Most of the patients, by the time they've come to see us, they've already exhausted oral pharmacotherapy, either either with medications like propranolol or primidone that can be not always well-tolerated, particularly primidone can be extremely sedating, and a lot of patients aren't suitable for more um, more surgical interventions like deep brain stimulation. So there's this unmet need for, for something else, and it would seem, given that botulinum toxin you can target uh, focal, focal muscles, that it, it could be a good candidate. We tend to perform a an individual assessment of every patient, asking them how the tremor impairs them functionally, uh, what tasks are specific. For them that are difficult, like feeding or or, or dressing, rather than sort of a, a tendency to sort of shoot shoot any muscle that moves. So really, first is um you know taking taking a focus history on on how the tremor affects affects each individual patient, and then doing doing a, a clinical assessment. First, when we're doing the examination, it, it's important to know what the exact cause of 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 the tremor is, but also becomes less relevant um as mentioned they would have exhausted all other treatment options and we can get into the age-old debate about if a tremors dystonic or if it's a- a- essential but that almost doesn't matter by 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 this stage it's still important to know if it's it's related to a le- if it's a lesional tremor say if it's related to as, um previous stroke or demyelination for multiple sclerosis as we are focally weakening muscles, so you need to be careful in some instances. But otherwise, it's predominantly a, a, a functional assessment. We get all patients to sit with their hands rested on their, their thighs in semi-pronation, so that's with the ulnar side of their hands resting, resting on top of the, the thighs, and we look for a resting tremor, um, particularly that of uh, Parkinson's disease. Then after that, I call it the zombie position, um, just with arms extended out in front of you and palms face, facing down, and you hold each position for at least 20 seconds to at least allow some um, re-emergence of some in sy- syndromes. We then get patients to harshly supinate the forearms so the palms are facing each other. Sometimes there's some dystonic tremors which only really emerge with this position. And then slowly get the patients to bring the hands towards the chin, just under the chin, not too quickly. Um, because sometimes some tremor planes are very positional. So sometimes on bringing the hands halfway towards the chin an elbow flexion extension tremor becomes apparent in within a certain arc. Then once the, once the, hands are just below the chin we get patients to hold that position and that's looking really for the shoulder internal and external rotation that we we call the the, um, wing beating type of type of tremor which can be very very disabling during this time we also speak to the patients about yeah what what tasks are are, are difficult and you know i'll watch a patient try to drink from a cup with each hand and one you might think with their arms stretched out that the tremor, the debilitating tremor looks like it's wrist extension and flexion, but it's really when watching them try to drink through a cup you realize it's more the pronation, supination plane that's causing them to spill spill liquids. They ask the patient to um, to look at their handwriting, as well as drawing drawing a spiral and straight lines, but then um we, we go into specific tasks. So I've got one patient who really has difficulty applying her eyeliner. So I get her to bring in the eyeliner and have a mirror and I, I watch what, what what she does and in, in doing that you can see that it's it might be the the flexion extension of the elbow that's causing her the, the greatest difficulty. So um that's important. Get patients to use a computer mouse or type on a type on a keyboard to pretend that they're, they're shaving the things that really bother them doing, doing up buttons and things like that.
0: So if you evaluate a patient, obviously, if there's only one central axis of the tremor, then that makes your decision point easy. But if there are multiple planes, then do you only focus on one plane, try to determine the predominantly impactful plane of tremor or do you ever focus on multiple planes in your treatment
1: uh, it's it's definitely easier when there's just one plane if it's a simple pronation and supination you, we really pick the, th- the three muscles pronator teres supinator and pronator quadratus that's nice and straightforward but m- most patients have at least two or, or more or more planes and you're exactly right it's trying to pick the one that's the most debilitating. But sometimes it's quite clear that you need to treat um, more, more than one plane as well. And it's important to manage patients' expectations in these situations. We're not trying to completely abolish the tremor. I mean, I, I tell patients that we can do that, but that's going to cause ex- extremes amount of, of weakness. It's really about trying to suppress the tremor to the point where they're able to um, gain some notable functional in, in improvement, but in, in many cases, it's a case of having to treat maybe a distal plane like pronation, supination, as well as if there's a proximal component. Um, the, the shoulder gutter muscles are going to have to be treated as well.
0: I noticed uh, one of the things that I noticed about your protocols is that you are focusing on both agonist and antagonist muscle groups, whether that's flexors and extensors or pronators and supinators. And I know that some people that inject will only focus on flexors and pronators, for example, because uh, extensors can run into more issues in terms of weakness and things like that. Would you recommend ever just injecting one uh, the agonist muscles as opposed to both agonist and antagonist, for example, if the patient is particularly concerned about developing weakness um, in
1: in some cases we do generally though we we treat both planes it's just something that we've over the years developed in this way and looking through other studies in the literature, quite commonly we'll inject the upper limb and we notice that the patient's voice tremor and the patient's notice as well, the patient's suppress the overall tremor syndrome. Voice tremor has improved. Some patients have a tremor in their leg as well, which we typically never try to treat, but just injecting the upper limb can also help Control the leg tremor as well. In this recent study by um, Neiman and Jankovic uh, last year, they did a, a retrospective analysis of their patients, and they found that just treating the agonist forearm muscles, like flexor radialis or flexor ulnaris, can suppress the overall tremor. So there is evidence that there's central uptake of botulinum toxin, and then a more widespread network of, of inhibition of other muscles, but this is just our approach that we've used. And it's not to say it's the best approach, but it's what we found to be effective.
0: Well, that is a really interesting point. I believe that there is also basic science data to support the idea that botulinum toxin can be retrograde transported up neurons and synapses up into the central nervous system.
1: Uh, Yes, I I, I definitely uh, agree. And, I think that's that's the key to the the um, the efficacy for, for toxin in, in in upper limb tremor.
0: So, can you describe for our listeners some of the major life lessons that you feel like you've learned over the years? Any mistakes that you did early on that you have learned from, or things that people who are new to botox injections may run into that you could advise them about? Yeah i think one of the
1: one of the key things that that i've learned is to be confident with your your dosing because it it can initially seem um a bit daunting to be injecting toxin into um these smaller muscles in the forearm particularly trying to balance the suppression of tremor with preservation preservation of power the reason that we wrote this framework is because I was was at the request of several of my colleagues um, that were confident injectors for other neurological indications and wanting to wanting to try treating up limb tremor but not knowing where to where to start with. So I would say the main thing I've learned is to try to titrate up to bigger doses before calling calling a treatment a treatment failure. And, in the cases where it hasn 't worked, it's been an issue of just not using the right dose, and that can vary considerably between patients. Some patients require are quite sensitive to small amounts, there are other patients that really require quite large doses and are able to tolerate these without any uh, excessive weakness i f- I find it interesting that you know we we do worry about causing weakness and it's not nice for patients, but generally, if you explain that this might happen, um, that they're prepared for it, um, they tolerate it quite well. Particularly, they take that as a acceptable trade-off for the functional improvement that they have, that they have with their tremor. They're happy to feel a little bit weak with their, you know, with their, with their grip strength, um, in that, but, but still able to drink from a cup or you know, without spilling, spilling any con- contents. At the Alfred Hospital, we're just currently submitting an observational study of of a cohort of our patients um, using uh, tremor rating scales with the fahn to Lowes Marin tremor rating scale, and we've we've demonstrated a global reduction in all all aspects of that as well as improvement in all domains of the Quest Quality of Life questionnaire. But one thing we found is it wasn't until the – Third treatment cycle that we notice maximal effect, and we think that that's a reflection of the the uptitration of the dose that we do with with each in each injection we We find that if we in, inject the first time with starting doses and there's absolutely no effect that we can increase the dose by around fifty percent safely and then again the following injection we we, we can do that again. Before we reach we reach therapeutic effect, so rather than just inject one time and it not work, I always tell patients of try to give me at least three goes before we call this treatment failure. And when I call treatment failure, it's at the point where the patient feels no meaningful improvement in their trauma, but they are describing weakness, transient weakness. They're the cases of treatment failure.
0: Well, it sounds like a really big part of this, as it is with everything in movement disorders, is communicating adequately with your patient, managing their expectations so that they understand what they're in for, what the side effects might be, that any side effects they do have will go away, and that it may take a few goes before you find the right pattern for them.
1: That's that's exactly right. Just just like with oral pharmacotherapy. Before prescribing someone with propranolol or primidone for essential tremor, you, you need to explain the, um, the potential side effects. And so, particularly with primidone being extremely sedating in, in some patients, it's really the same thing with botulinum toxin. And if anything, I think that the, the toxin is, is far better tolerated than the oral pharmacotherapy.
0: So, is there anything else that you want to share with us?
1: Well, I would just, I would just say for the for injectors that that have patients that you know were thinking about giving giving it a go, just to read the paper and hopefully the framework provide provides a a good starting point.
0: Absolutely, I certainly found it extremely informative and very well spelled out. I think that. It gives you a really excellent starting point for trying to help these patients.
1: Thank you. Yeah.
0: Thanks for your time.